0: Welcome to the podcast for St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith where our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. So I've been known to exaggerate from time to time. I can kind of get excited, and um, you know, if I catch a fish that's this big, I might say it's this big. Um, and so people have accused me of exaggerating at times, but I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that possibly the most ridiculous thing that has ever happened to me, happened to me yesterday. Um, I don't think I'm exaggerating. So um, I've been cutting my own hair for about 25 years. Part of it is just because I'm cheap, and that's the cheapest way to do it, Right? Um, and uh, and so I don't know if I lost focus. I don't know if it's like the arthritis I've been battling in my shoulder. I took the kids bowling a couple weeks ago, and my shoulder's been hurting ever since. But for whatever whatever the reason was, as I was shaving my head last night, the clippers slipped, and I nicked my eyebrow. And I don't know if those worshiping with us online can see it. Maybe you guys can't even out there. But if you had a conversation with me out in the lobby earlier, you may have thought, Josh looks different. What's going on? And it maybe wouldn't stand out so much if I didn't have such big eyebrows. But my eyebrows are so dark and big, I just feel completely ridiculous. So I could not not point it out because I think, I figured you're like, what's wrong with his eye? What's going on there? So that's what happened to me yesterday. Um, And and I've just thought, as I thought about that, getting older is tough, right? I don't know if it was, amen, yes. I don't know if it was the, if I was just, you know, lost my focus or if it really was the shoulder, but I'm not lying. Like the last couple weeks, I wake up, my shoulder's been hurting. Uh, I feel like I've been hit by a truck at times when I wake up in the morning. Like, what what happened to my body while I was sleeping that I would feel this way when I'm getting out of bed? Um, one thing I used to love to do is uh, when the kids are smaller, I would sneak up behind them and scare them. And I can't even do that anymore because every step, you can hear my knees and ankles cracking and popping through the house. I can't sneak up on anyone. Um, it's just I'm just in pain, and it reminds me a little bit of when I was a teenager and I hit my growth spurt, the growing pains that you feel, I remember my knees hurting. I remember my, I mean, everything hurt. And, and I've kind of experienced this from the side of a parent this last year where uh, our two kids, Eli and Addie, I think they've grown about a foot in the last year. And, and Eli specifically, since he started middle school, has gone from a size eight shoe to a size 13. Um, it, it, it's, I mean, we're buying shoes left and right. So when we're bringing shoes in no- is it November? Uh, we've got a lot of shoes that we're gonna bring because he wears them for about two weeks and then he outgrows them. Um, so we've got a lot of shoes to bring, but, but he's just in constant pain. Um, and, and I learned this valuable lesson as a kid, and now as a parent looking at my, my son and daughter, is that sometimes growth and change is painful. It hurts, right? Whether you are a middle-aged person, Going through those issues that I am, or a teenager, or maybe a family that's growing and you're adding people to the family, or a business that's growing, there's going to be growing pains. And even in the church, there are growing pains and and issues that arise through growth and through the changes that happen. And so that's the text that we're looking at this morning. We've been in the uh, book of Acts and looking at the church created and all the things that God is calling us to do as the church. Um, And this morning, we're going to look at it a little bit differently. There there are growing pains that the early church experienced um, that we're going to read about this morning, and then we're going to kind of break it down because I think there's some valuable things that we can learn that we can apply as the church today. So let's open up to Acts chapter 6. We're in the first seven verses, verses 1 through 7. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek speaking believers complained about the Hebrew speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them and laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. All right, so as the number of followers began to increase, ministry became more complex, right? They were no longer this group of 120 people sitting in a room praying together and worshiping. They had multiplied. In fact, that's the new term that Luke introduces to us here in Acts chapter 6. Previous to this, he kept saying that God was adding to their numbers. God was adding to their numbers. And now here we see in chapter 6 that God's no longer adding to his numbers, but it says that the believers were rapidly multiplying. Right There's this growth, and then there is exponential growth, and they are experiencing this. They're now... uh, They used to be 120, now there are thousands of them that are believers that are trying to obediently follow Jesus, right? The disciples, the early church, had taken what Jesus said seriously. They were boldly and obediently living out the Great Commission, sharing Jesus with anyone who would listen. And even with those that didn't want to listen, they were sharing about Jesus and about um, how he had risen and the things that he was calling them to do as the church. And as a result, the Holy Spirit was adding to them, multiplying them daily. Daily, they were growing. They had grown to thousands. And obviously, this rapid multiplication resulted in some some growing pains. There's some issues now that the early church were facing. And there's some grumblings, there's some rumblings of discontent and, and being upset. Right, The things that they were doing in the early church that worked were now starting to no longer work. And the disciples, the apostles, had to come together and figure out a way forward because what they were doing was no longer working because of the growth that they experienced. And so we see in Acts 6, um, I think, some pretty great things that we can look at that we can learn from as the church today. And one of those things that really jumps out at me, and this is something that I've been told my entire life as a follower of Christ, if you are obediently following Jesus expect opposition. The church can expect distractions. Churches, we boldly and obediently follow Jesus. I think sometimes there's this lie in culture that um, if you're following Jesus, you're not going to experience any oppositions, that everything's going to go as planned, exactly how you wanted it, that your life is going to be perfect. But that's just not, that's not the truth, right? In fact, when we boldly and obediently follow Jesus, we're moved to the front lines of the spiritual battle that's going on in the world around us, right? We're not immune to problems and issues arising. And the, and the enemy will do anything to distract the church from our mission. And that's what we see, I think, a little bit as we're reading through Acts, right? We've looked through the first five chapters, and we've seen over and over again these external oppositions and distractions. Right? The church leaders saying, don't go to the temple to teach about Jesus. We're going to imprison you, and, and we're going to beat you, and we're going to threaten you. And, and they boldly and obediently followed Jesus through that. They did not allow that to become a distraction from who God was calling them to be as the church. They fought through that. They obediently followed Jesus through that. But now there's this growing internal opposition this growing internal distraction that we see within the church. A couple weeks ago, D.A. preached on generosity with regards to the church being created. And we looked at Ananias and Sapphira, and things did not end well for them because of their hypocrisy, because of their greed, because of their not being honest in the church. And and that had to be dealt with. And now we see another internal conflict or opposition or distraction taking place. If the enemy isn't able to distract us from our mission externally, then Satan begins to create internal distractions and conflict because Satan wants nothing more than if these, the early church and the apostles were distracted and spent all their time dealing with issues rather than with sharing the gospel, rather than with teaching the word and baptizing. Satan wants anything else to happen. And so we see these internal conflicts and distractions coming up. And the important thing that we see in the midst of this, and we're going to look at even more closely as we continue in Acts 6, is that the disciples did not forget who they were. That's the biggest thing is to remember who we are as the church, and they remembered the why. And I've found in in my life, most of the time when I get myself in trouble, it's because I've either forgotten who I am or I've forgotten the why behind what I'm called to do. And the early church did not. Right? And we should prayerfully prepare for distractions. As we obediently follow Jesus, they're going to come. Opposition will come. So we might as well just expect it. It's not if, but when. And the early church was prepared for it. They remembered who they were. They didn't forget the why. And St. Andrews, we are a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith, centered in a relationship with Jesus, who is called, who is placed right here to make disciples of Jesus. That's our mission, that's who we are. And we can't let anything distract us from that. It's too important far too important. And the early church understood that. They expected the distractions, and they didn't allow them to remove them from who they were called to be and what they were called to do. The second thing that we see is that churches should understand that there are different roles within the body of Christ. Right? It goes on to say, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God. They go on to say, select seven men who are full of the Spirit and wisdom and well-respected, and let's give them that responsibility. The apostles' role was to spend time in prayer and teaching the Word. But I have to admit, when I first read this, I thought, man, what they said was kind of, it seemed kind of harsh. It didn't necessarily seem to line up with what I remember Jesus calling them to, right? They said, our time should be spent teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And I thought, who, like, who do they think they are? Had they forgotten all that Jesus had called them to? And I remembered this conversation in Mark chapter 9. Jesus had just kind of shared with them that, hey, I'm, my time is short. Um, and then right after that, they began arguing, and he asked them about it. And that's what we see in Mark 9, verses 33 through 35. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. And then we see a very real and personal example of this in the Last Supper as Jesus humbles himself and kneels down at his disciples' feet, takes the position of a, a servant, and washes their feet. And so I thought, have they forgotten all that Jesus had taught them? This doesn't seem to make sense. But the apostles understood the importance of service, and they recognized how big of an issue that they were facing. This wasn't a small issue. But their application of Jesus' teaching wasn't that they would do everything. That was never Jesus' intent of saying, you guys go do everything. That wasn't the intent. Right? I remember 1 Corinthians 12, one body with many parts. Right? We as followers of Christ, when we are obediently following Jesus, we're not consumers. We're contributors, and we're all called to this one body with many parts. I love how Peter puts it in First Peter four ten. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. The apostles realized they weren't structured to deal with the growth that they were experiencing, and something had to give, something had to change, right? Up until this point, that was their responsibility, and they recognized that if they were going to continue to proclaim the Word of God, that others needed to step up and serve alongside them. They needed a new structure, similar to what we see Moses do in the book of Exodus. As problems are arising, and his father-in-law says, you need to Rethink some things. What you're currently doing is not going to continue to work. And that's what the disciples were up against. Rapid growth had forced them to realize that they needed to make some changes. And D.A. talks about this all the time, right? What's the word that he uses? That we are all what? Ministers. Ministers. Right, we're all ministers. We're all gifted and empowered. We all have a role and a responsibility within the body of Christ. Followers of Jesus are not created and empowered and purposed to stand on the sidelines. Right? We're called to be in the game, not sit on the bench, but be in the game. And it doesn't matter what season of life we're in, whether we are little bitty kids or the wisest among us, God is calling all of us. All are needed equally in the body of Christ. And thankfully, The apostles understood that as they begin to restructure and empower others to begin to lead. The next thing that we see as we look through this is that churches need to be adaptable. We need to be flexible. A growing and fruitful church who is boldly and obediently following Jesus is a changing one. It's inevitable, right? Churches morph and change over time and being adaptable and flexible is super important. In fact, change is really the only constant. The only thing that doesn't change in the church is change. We're constantly changing. As the culture around us changes, we have to adapt in order to be able to share the gospel with the world. We don't water the gospel down. We don't change the gospel But the way that we begin to reach the lost, the way that we reach the world around us, we have to change. As we grow, we have to change. We have to restructure. We have to reorganize. And the the apostles had very little history to go on. They couldn't say, well, we've always done it this way. Because there wasn't much history for them to think in those terms. So they were adaptable. And, And here's maybe the biggest miracle in this whole passage. Maybe in all of Acts. This might be the biggest miracle. Verse 5 says, Everyone liked this idea. I mean, do you need a bigger sign that God is moving, that the Holy Spirit is moving than that? I mean, that's a miracle in and of itself. That's proof that it wasn't just the apostles who were adaptable. It wasn't just the apostles who were flexible. It wasn't just the apostles who were willing to take a risk. It was the entire body of Christ. Everyone liked the idea. And the church then and the church now is better for it. And I, I'm willing to bet that many of us, and I'm just thinking myself on this, maybe this is just a word for me, but I'm willing to bet many of us have been avoiding something that God is calling us to because it seems too risky. It seems too difficult. It seems too hard and so we're avoiding that. What risk might God be calling and asking of you right now that you've been avoiding? All right. That's the prayer that DA's been encouraging us to pray. God, give us the faith that is required to do what you're calling us to do. That's the prayer we should constantly be praying. I know I need that in my own life. And so as we see them obediently following Jesus, boldly, being flexible, adaptable, expecting distractions, working through it, taking risks. We see fruit following. There's an outcome. It says, when churches organize and work together, the word of God spreads, and the people turn to Jesus. All right, we see that in verse 7. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. All right, this is a crucial moment in the life of the church. The danger was that the prioritization of teaching God's word was going to take a back seat. Right? That's always the danger. The needs are great in our world. And they're experiencing this in the early church. The needs are great. It's not that the issue at hand was not important. Right? There's this issue of discrimination or at least an untrust among the church. It's being verbalized. It's, that is incredibly important. They were living a communal life. They were sharing food and everything. It's super important that they trusted. So it's not like it wasn't a big issue. But the danger is the thing that's not the main thing becomes the main thing. And as the body of Christ, we have to always prioritize God's Word and teaching God's Word. Right? If you remove God's Word from St. Andrews, we are no different than any other secular nonprofit organization in South Oklahoma City and more. We're no different than a, a, a food pantry, a coat closet. We we would have nothing of eternal importance or significance to offer anyone. The word of God has to be at the core of who we are as believers and as the church. The early church leaders knew if they wanted to see fruitful, life-giving, spirit-filled growth, that they needed to continue to boldly and obediently teach the Word of God. They had to reorganize and empower others in the church so that the Word of God didn't take a back seat. And as the church grows, great things can be accomplished when we work together, when we're all in the game, pulling from the same rope, using all of our various gifts and perspectives and passions and skills, allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in us and through us. Nothing is impossible. And the early church was experiencing that. Had these seven men, had these seven deacons not stepped up, the apostles would have been consumed with things that are important, but aren't necessarily the most important, or at least not to what they were called to and how they were gifted. The early church gives us encouragement as we boldly and obediently follow Jesus, as we pray for the faith to do what God is calling us to do, as we experience the pains of growth and change that are in front of us. May we not forget who we are, It's going to require remembering the why behind everything that we do, remembering our mission. It requires being flexible and adaptable and a willingness to look for new solutions and to take new risks. It will take everyone working together and using their gifts to get in the game, to build up the body of Christ, and to live into their calling as ministers. And it will require us to continue making prayer and teaching God's Word a priority. Let's pray.